Hello, and thank you for joining us today as we walk shoulder to shoulder, growing in love with the Lord and each other. I'm Megan Silas. And I'm Pam Marvin. And we are excited because today we're wrapping up our Beatitudes series. This has been so fun. Thank you for suggesting this. This has just really blessed me, Megan. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank Mm -hmm. you, Lord. Yeah, absolutely. For giving us this beautiful words of of encouragement. And so I think uh, (laughs) he really ends on a bang, though, here. Pam, you know, there's a lot of beautiful, warm, fuzzy stuff uh, that we had in the f- past of our Beatitudes here that just seems so sweet and peaceful and all this. But now the ending, the mic drop. Blessed, Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. For the sake of righteousness. For yes. theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Mm. So good. Yeah. So good. You know... This is one of those oxymorons of our faith that we see time and time again, the both and Mm -hmm. where the paradoxes, it's oxymoron wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Just it's the both and, you know, when you're weak, you are strong. And in this case, I believe, you know, the persecuted for the righteousness sake will lead to heaven faster. Yeah, absolutely. And sanctification in this life. It's interesting because last in the last one, we talked about peace, like being peacemakers. And, you know, we think of Jesus so much as, you know, the one who, the Prince of Peace, you know, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave to you, you know, that we think him of him so much as this, you know, the Lord of Peace. And yet, what does he say in Matthew chapter 10? Do not think I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. That's right. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Like, so this idea that the Christian life is going to be all about warm fuzzies and all, you know, peace, joy, kumbaya. He said, you know what, this, this path is hard. This road is narrow and there are going to be many who oppose you on it. You know, as you're saying that I'm reminded that God is love. And I think it really needs to be reiterated time again for me personally, that sometimes as if in the last podcast, truth is love, but not always comfortable. Absolutely. It is not. And, you know, the reality is, is that, We are part of the body of Christ, right? You know, and that imagery is so important to me because it says to me that we will expect to endure exactly what Christ expected, what Christ endured, right? He came to earth to teach us what Christian discipleship looks like what he gave us the that example of this is what it is to follow me and following me involves people hating you for what you what you stand for it involves people ridiculing you it involves people wanting to kill you it involves carrying crosses and dying you know and he said remember the word i said to you a slave is not greater than his master if they persecuted me they'll persecute you if they kept my word They'll keep yours. So this is, I think a lot of what we have to remember is 
We should never allow our desire for comfort or human respect overwhelm our desire to do the will of God. That is the example of Jesus Christ in the gospel. A total, complete, committed surrender to the will of a father. Come what may. Come what may. Come what may. That's right. You know, and yes, it's hard. Yes, it's painful. Yes, at times you feel like maybe you can't even go on. But if it's his will, he'll give you the grace. And that's where the trust comes in. You know, because I think to really live out this beatitude, it really does require a real supernatural grace of trust in the Lord. To trust that no matter how painful something may be and how you might not even understand what good the Lord could possibly bring out of something that he's at work. And as long as you are, have discerned to the extent that you're capable, that you're following God's will, that that's the path that you're meant to travel and he will bring good out of it either in this life or the next. You know, Megan, I keep hearing this theme come up often that you could oftentimes replace the word truth for faith and faith for truth. Mm. Very, very closely related because, excuse me, not truth, trust. Right. So to trust is to have faith. Mm -hmm. To have faith is to trust. So it's like these both Absolutely. Yeah. And I think he's calling us to that kind of increased trust in him our fallen nature wants to take it back into our own hands but we must trust him when he brings persecution when he brings these things to us um mm-hmm. you know and what I, was, a beautiful I always thing want to, to tweak that say what he allows okay. because the reality is is that he doesn't desire that we are persecuted because he just you know hey that sounds great that my people would be persecuted but He's a, he will allow it to bring a greater good, right? And sometimes the witness of a person willing to endure persecution for truth is the most powerful witness that the world can ever perceive. And so just like that famous, you know, statement that the, the blood of the martyr, the seeds of the church— Right. Like the whole beginning of the Christian faith was planted and watered in the blood of the martyrs. Mm. Like persecution was the birth of the church. Persecution was the means by which the gospel was spread to the ends of the earth. Mm. And still is. And still is. But the reality is, is that in, in a lot of cultures that, you know, got used to Christianity, got comfortable with Christianity and the call, you know, there was a sense of that's just the way we live. The idea that you would be persecuted became somehow foreign or somehow, well, surely that can't be the way it is when it always has been and always will be. But in the West, you know, we, we went through this beautiful golden age where, you know, Christianity ruled as the, the major ethos among the culture. And as that has slipped away and has totally gone down a path of not being the predominant uh, view of the culture, well, then the persecutions start. But the reality is, is when you've become as a generation after generation of Christians that hasn't experienced that, 
Now you're like, oh, what the heck? I didn't sign up for this. Right, right. I'm going through something similar to that. And I remember when it first started occurring, um, because of my deeply held religious beliefs, I felt persecuted. And But I felt, I felt strengthened at the same time. Um, there was like the Holy Spirit. It was definitely a grace, not Pam, that said, you know, blessed are you to suffer because of what you believe. To believe yeah. in, in mm-hmm. what I believe in as a person, and that person is Jesus. Absolutely. And, and I think it really does in a way go, kind of go back to the last beatitude of, you know, where we talked about when you're looking to create peace in the world, it has to be, you know, you really need to, it needs to be the true peace, not a false peace that's just going along to get along and trying to make people feel comfortable and not opposing anybody. No, it needs to be a peace that's rooted in truth. And I think what we have to find here is that sometimes people can avoid persecution using the excuse of peacemaking where they're like, okay, so somebody's kind of coming down on you saying you should do this or, you know, you can't do that or whatever. And and they're, they're getting all up in your face about it. And you say, well, I just, I want to be a peacemaker. So I'm going to go along so that there's not this strife and there's this discord when the reality is you have not created true peace. You are trying to, you're trying to foster a false peace, but what you're really doing is trying to avoid persecution. You're trying to avoid the suffering of living in truth and that will not inherit you the kingdom of heaven because the Lord says you will be hated by all because of my name, but is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. Mm -hmm. Paul talks about running the race and completing the race. We have not completed the race. We need to run and we need to be willing to suffer the pains of the persecution or the hatred or the whatever for the name of Jesus Christ and to bring his gospel to the world. Otherwise we're not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven, which should be really our, our one true goal in life to get to heaven and to bring as many people as possible with us. Amen. That's why we do what we do. Yeah. And I think when we're in a place where things feel really hard, where you uh, you wonder, can I endure this? Mm-hmm. This is painful. Maybe I'm maybe I'm going to lose my job. Maybe right. I won't be able to feed my family. You know, maybe I'll be shunned by the people I love. I'll I'll be abandoned by you know my near and dear people. Like. Stripped, 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 right. stripped of comfort, stripped of consolation, stripped of human respect, stripped of love. Well, guess what? You are walking closer and closer and closer to the imitation of Christ. That's right. I love the expression. Um, it just came to me that that's the hill that I'm willing to die on is mm-hmm. definitely one of the phrases that comes to mind. And as I'm imagining that imagery, I'm thinking of Golgotha. I'm thinking of that mm, right. hill yeah. I'm willing to die on, just like the Christ was willing to die on that hill for us. Um, when we're called to follow him more perfectly, um, let's die on that hill with him. And I think sometimes we have to just sit and reflect, is this the hill that I'm, I'm willing to die on um, for, the, for the goodness of my soul and those around me? 
I think that's really important to do, like you said, that kind of reflection, that kind of discernment in advance. Exactly. You know, don't just, you know, I think a lot of people kind of feel, well, you know, when it really gets down to it, when it's really serious, like I'll choose the right thing. You know, like if, if it really comes down to, you know, deny Jesus Christ or I'll kill you, I'm going to do the right thing. Well, guess what? If you haven't been doing the right thing when it was smaller and less painful and less dramatic, what makes you think you're going to be ready to do that thing in that moment? Now, maybe God will come through for you for the grace of that moment. But the reality is, is that we practice these things right. as we go through, you know, if you're faithful in small things, you'll be faithful in large things. And I had a great analogy of a small one. What if you're out to dinner with family and friends and some people at the table are not faithful and some are. So it makes them uncomfortable for you to say grace before the meal. Mm -hmm. That little dying to self to make someone uncomfortable. That's a good uncomfortable yeah. to make them uncomfortable because you want to give thanks to God for this meal. That's just one small way to just like shave off those edges. Yeah. Or how about like you're invited to a wedding of two baptized Catholics who are deciding that they're, you know, one of them got divorced without an annulment and they're going to just have a wedding, you know, somewhere in some secular place. Should you go? No. Okay, but what if the family is going to be really mad at you and everybody's going to like say that you're a hater and everyone's going to, you know, they're going to come down on you and they're going to say, we're not even going to invite you to, you know, these holiday gatherings anymore because you're so judgmental or whatever. What are you going to do? You know, and I think so many people would be like, I'm just going to go. It's not a big deal. Like, you know, yeah. I, I don't have to change how I feel in my heart about it just to go to the wedding and, you know. At least they're getting married and not cohabitating. So, I mean, there's, at least there's that. It's still fornication. <laughs> right. So this is the thing, yeah. right? Like there's all, always ways that we can rationalize, you know, going along with the thing that goes against the teachings of Jesus Christ, his, his scripture, his church, you know, or how about this? Well, you know, the bishop said it was okay. And, you know, maybe I feel convicted that it wasn't okay, that it's not okay, that, you know, that's wrong. But, you know, he said it was okay. And, you know, if I don't, if I don't go along with it, then they're going to say that I'm just so holier than thou. And I think I'm, I know more than the bishop and all this sort of stuff. Well, I'm pretty sure that when you come to the Lord and he says, I put a conviction on your heart. And you didn't do it. And you say, well, the bishop told me it was okay. I don't think it's going to fly. I think you're right. For sure. No, I'm not. I'm not advocating pride that says I know better than anybody else. And, you know, whatever I think is right goes. No, I think we always have to be well grounded in, in what the time immortal teachings of the Catholic faith are and what scripture says and, and hold fast and hold true to those things. Right. And not contradict them. Right. The prudence is what I'm hearing here. We should always have prudence in these decisions. Yeah. And a well-formed conscience Absolutely. and that it's our job to form our conscience. Like, don't just rely on, you know, somebody else to catechize you. Like when you're an adult, 
take your faith by the horns and like educate yourself, you know, find good resources, you know, go to the catechism and know it backwards and forwards. You know, if somebody says, what does the Catholic church teach about this? A mature Catholic should know, you know, and if you don't, I admit that you don't and then do the work, like learn, right? But the thing is, is if we haven't really taken our faith to our heart and also to our head, like the both and of faith and reason, right? Accepting that theological virtue of of, um, faith and asking for more and more grace for the, you know, the virtue of faith and also educating our minds about the why of our faith. When persecutions come, if we don't have both of those things, the conviction in our hearts and the understanding in our minds, it'll be so easy to rationalize. So easy. You know? That that duping, you know, like Satan can get in there and go, well, you know, it's really not that bad. Right. Absolutely. And I just I just started reading a book. That, you know, Rod Dreher, he wrote that uh, The Benedict Option book. Yes. Which uh-huh. I did not read. I did not read that book. But I, he has just come out with a, a new book called Live Not By Lies. Oh. And so as one who is this, you know, major lover of the truth, I was very compelled by that title. But it's called, and, and there's a subtitle of, oh, gosh, goodness, what's the subtitle? It's something about being a, a Christian dissident. Um, and so I'm reading this book and it's all about, he, it's very much um, almost a, a book where he interviews a lot of people who lived during times of totalitarian regimes. And he is interviewing them to ask them, how did you live the Christian life authentically and faithfully during um, a time where it was persecuted and not allowed? And so I wanted to read it because I kind of want, I, I want a playbook <laughs> A manual for Christian dissidents. There you go. A manual for Christian (laughs) dissidents. Yeah. So I wanted some things to plan ahead for. Like as I see culture going in a way that's more and more anti-Christian, that's more and more willing to persecute the Christian. You know, you hear the stories about the, you know, the bakers and people who, you know, are being brought to court for not baking a cake for a gay wedding and stuff. And, and then you see the, the way that things are being censored on, you know, various social media outlets. And, and you, you know, you see the government trying to make, by executive order, forcing people to do things against their conscience and stuff. It doesn't take, a, you know, a total genius to see the direction that our culture is going. And then you look at, like, places like Australia where they have gone way down the line. Oh, God bless them. We need you to know, pray for Australia. Right, where they're, you know, arresting people on the street for not having a vaccine passport. So I don't want to be caught unprepared, Right. And I I think we need to learn from people who have lived through times of terrible totalitarian regimes like the the Soviet Union and and the Nazis and all that sort of stuff to say, what does it look like to live authentically as a Christian in that setting? And one of the things that really stuck stuck out to me in the beginning part of the book, he had a quote from Alexander Solzhenitsyn, mm-hmm. amazing, you know, Russian dissident guy who wrote uh, the Gulag Archipelago. I have not read that book either, but I should because anything I've ever heard or read by him has been profound. But anyway, he was talking about how 
in times of severe persecution, you can't always go out in the public square and shout the truth because that'll just get you killed straight right, up. Exactly. He's like, but what you need to refuse to do is assent to the lie. Amen. And that's that's where we need to be. Like we we maybe we're not going to be able to just, you know, hold up the billboard and, and everything, but we can at least say no when they ask us to cooperate with the lie. No, that's a lie. I can't cooperate with that. You know, and so to look at the landscape and ask ourselves, where are the lies? Where are the lies that the culture's trying to push? And how am I going to maintain opposition to the lie and live in such a way that is not complicit with the lie, even tacitly with our actions, our words, our silence? Right, right. What comes to mind is how do we live in such a way where we're bringing peace, love, and joy and standing up for the truth, even making people uncomfortable? So this that... Uh, that that dissonance, right? Right. Where you are peace, love, and joy because you are a follower of Jesus Christ, a true Christian, and you're not bowing at all and compromising your conscience. So you're making other people very uncomfortable um, by standing up for what you believe in. And yourself uncomfortable. I mm-hmm. mean, like that's that's the reality. It it's going to it'll be hard. It it may require some serious sacrifice, but it then you have to ask yourself. Why am I here? Am I here to live a life of comfort? Am I here to just be in a little cocoon of security? Mm-hmm. Is that what the Lord like said the Christian life was going to be? No. And so if that's what we're trying to create, our lives are the anti-gospel. Mm. And just think of that. <laughs> Who wants to be that? <laughs> Painful. So Blessed are the persecuted. Right. And and it really does also come down to, I think, the trust. The faith. And, you know, that idea of what do I really want? What do I want more than anything else? To see the face of God. To see the face of God. Mm. To be in his kingdom of heaven forever, for eternity. And to be like St. Paul who says, I count the sufferings of this age to be nothing, yes. nothing compared to the glory that is to come. That's right. And we need to make that our mantra. This is not our home, brothers and sisters. We are just pilgrims on this journey. But there is glory to come. Mm. And we want as many brothers and sisters to be with us. But capitulation to the lies of the age is not going to bring brothers and sisters with us. Our witness will be in faithfulness to the truth. That's the thing that in the end will bring hearts and minds to the Lord. If our true job on this earth is to bear witness to Jesus Christ and to build his kingdom on earth, we need to be willing to do the things that are going to build the kingdom. And what's going to build the kingdom in these days is being willing to say no to the evil of the age and to accept the consequences of living in that truth and to do that faithfully and joyfully, joyfully because we know 
that the reward that comes with faithfulness to the gospel of Jesus Christ is more precious, more beautiful, more glorious, more fulfilling than anything this world has to offer. That's the witness that the world needs today. And we need to be willing to live it. What an awesome opportunity for us to rise up like that. Yeah. To have that opportunity to speak God's love and truth in these very difficult times. We need more people that are willing to do that. Yeah. These are saint making opportunities. If our goal and desire more than anything else is to be saints, the Lord is giving us some unique and profound opportunities to do just that. Let's grasp them. Let's grasp the opportunities and be saints, be saints in the age. And and then hopefully truly be saints in the age to come where we are in the kingdom of heaven, adoring for all eternity, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It doesn't get better than that. And no suffering on this earth shouldn't be, something that we want to run away from if it's going to take us from that. All right. You want to finish it up? Go right ahead. I'm still working over here. (laughs) Poor Pam had a little bit of a coughing fit there. You all may have heard it, Uh, but uh, she is soldiering on. (laughs) Maybe that's just like some little teeny small persecution from the evil one that he doesn't want the the words of of this uh, beatitude to be expounded on. So, well, let's go into prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, you suffered the worst of persecutions, the laying of sin, of all sin, of all time onto your shoulders, and you suffered physical and spiritual and emotional persecution at the hands of your creation. Lord, help us to be like you willing to do the will of the Father in all things, no matter what. Give us the fortitude that we need to walk forward in faith and trust and to do whatever is necessary in order to shout the truth to the rooftops that you are Lord and that what you teach, what you command is the path towards heaven. And let us help others to walk that path as we try to walk it ourselves Be with us, guide us, give us your Holy Spirit, give us strength in moments when we are feeling weak, when we are feeling like we want to capitulate, Lord, we call upon your Holy Spirit for the grace of fortitude that we could live authentically as Christians, no matter what may come. These times right now seem difficult, Lord, but they may become very much more difficult. Help us to continue to be faithful and true to your gospel, no matter what comes. We trust in you, Lord Jesus. We trust in you, Lord Jesus. We trust in you, Lord Jesus. And we desire nothing more than to enter into your kingdom. Give us the grace to do so. And we pray that Mary would walk with us. We pray to the mother of sorrows who is just suffering at all sufferings that happened to her children. She watched her son be tortured and killed and it broke her heart and she, it breaks her heart when her children on earth right now undergo persecutions, but she's with us and she's praying for us and we invoke her intercession as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother Mother of God, God, pray pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you so much for walking shoulder to shoulder with Megan and I. Join us next time. We'll be talking more. 
Well, we don't not quite sure what we're talking about next. Oh, so yeah. you'll just have to tune in next time to find out. So until that time, God bless. God bless. <laughs>